Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Philly fan, got to start with you. We spent a lot of time on you yesterday, and then we all waited. So that's where I'm going to start right now. Philly fan, I know how badly you wanted this. I'll admit it. I really wanted it for you as well. After all, J.D. from Philly called the program yesterday, and he said it best of all. It was Christmas in March for the city of Philadelphia. J.D. nailed it. And why was it Christmas in March for Philadelphia? Because Ben Simmons was making his return to the city of brotherly hate. Don't get me wrong, Philly fan. I'm all about you. I'm not here to pile on. In fact, I'm here to commiserate with you. But when I say the city of brotherly hate, it was, at least for a night, because you hate this dude a lot. And yes, I know hate's a really strong word, and I don't like throwing it around, but I'm not wrong. (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong. You hate Ben Simmons. You told me as much. And yes, Philly, Philly fans showed up last night to welcome Ben Simmons back as only Philly fan can. Philly fans showed up as only Philly fan can. Unfortunately, Philly team completely no-showed and wrecked Philly fans night. Go ahead, Philly fan. Call me right now. I might even interrupt this rant for you. Hit me up. The Philly hotline, 1-800-636-8686. Now, in defense of Philly fan, like Philly fan, well, Philly fan wants to defend himself. Philly fan would have you believe there's a hell of a lot more to Philly fan than just cheering while Michael Irvin lay motionless on the ground. That there's way more to Philly fan than booing Santa Claus. That there's way more to Philly fan than raining D-cells down on J.D. Drew. You're right. There is a hell of a lot more to you, Philly fan, than just those things. But all of those things are a part of what make you Philly fan. And Philly fan had all of that locked and loaded and then some for Ben Simmons last night. And as well as things that had been going since James Harden arrived. This was the date they had circled. This is the only thing that mattered. The thing that mattered most to Philly fan was ruining Ben Simmons' night and in fact Ben's life. And they showed up early to let Simmons know how much they hated him. They were booing him like crazy as he left the court before the game. They were so funny in the pregame. However, unfortunately... The pregame and them booing him like that was the highlight of the night for the Sixers and their fans because KD, Kyrie, Seth, et al. ran them the hell out their own house. Brooklyn, 129. Philadelphia, 100. Ben Simmons got over. He got over huge. And he got over doing what he's been doing in Philly, namely nothing. He didn't even take a shot. Hell, he didn't play, yet he still won the night. Not only won the night, Philly fan, but absolutely wrecked yours. 
And I say that as somebody who actually did want it to be Christmas in March for you. Philly fan, I was running down the stairs with you looking to crack open and rip open presents this morning. I admit it. I got caught up. I was going to find our horse, straight up G, and have him whip me up a horse crap sando so I could slam it with you when you destroyed Simmons on the bench and the Nets on the floor. I would have eaten it. It's a great animal, man. I'm sure he provides and produces high-level horse crap. I would have. Philly fan, believe me, I was all in. Man, you had me sucked into this whole thing. Suddenly, I was becoming you, Philly fan. I don't even have a dog in the fight. I don't even give a damn. At least I thought that I didn't, but suddenly I started to identify with. I started to understand how pissed you were at Simmons for, you know, quitting on you, for being a coward, for being a baby, you know, all those things you accused him of. You were pissed at him for not wanting it as badly as you all do. You were pissed at him for not taking that shot against Atlanta, and you were pissed at him for allegedly practicing with a phone in his pocket. When he finally did show up, he showed up with an iPhone in his pocket. So in a moment, Philly fan, it all became crystal clear to me. And I actually agreed with you. No, not not you. We, we were going to make sure that Simmons got his. Unfortunately, Philly fan, my brother, our team, brother. our team, did want did not want it nearly as bad as we wanted it. Philly fan, especially James Harden, who played like hell. Bad news, Beard. That game is not going to help your reputation for no-showing in big games. In fact, that pretty damn well validated that rep. Because while Kevin Durant was proving once again that when he's healthy, he is probably the best player in the world, you look like the last place you wanted to be was right there on that floor. Like, take my guy Joel. I love Joel. I've always loved Joel. I love Joel. His stat line last night was not all worldly, but the big dude at least had that street fight mentality throughout. But when things did not go the beard's way early on, he had that which club am I going to hit later on tonight mentality. And then Simmons. Simmons wrecked you, and he didn't even take a shot. Just like he ruined your night so many months ago when he didn't even take that shot. And you know he loved it. Hey, Ben, just know this. I know you had a night. Just know that nothing that happened last night vindicates you, Ben. Nothing that happened last night changes your rep, Ben. Because you didn't do anything last night. You just sat there. You didn't win that game. Kevin Durant did. And he did it with moments like this. And here comes Bruce Brown. Now Durant, the hesitation, (laughs) and he'll jackhammer it in. TNT on the call, dunking and talking junk to Dr. J and AI and doing things like this. Harris can't hit. A robust move down court, Durant! Wow! A robust move down court. Wow. Wow! Bleeping Kevin Harlan if you need him. The absolute best. A robust move down court. A robust move down court. Love it. Tell you what I don't love. Let's be clear about this. Last night did not answer any questions about Simmons as a player. Still nothing robust about that. 
No questions answered about him as a player, as a teammate, and most of all, his ability to deliver in the clutch. All of the questions about Simmons that existed before that game still exist right now because they didn't have him step up when things got really hot and really robust. He didn't step up when the stakes were highest. They didn't need him to do jock or jack other than sit there and rock a hockey jersey and do the thing that he seems to love best, watch everybody else work. Sure, he got over, but he only got over because Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Seth Curry did his dirty work for him. They're the ones who went into one of the most hostile barns ever and shut some of the most hostile people ever up. They're the ones who came in, drank their beer, ate their horse crap, partied with their women, and moved into their homes. They're the ones. Ben? Ben just gravy trained the entire experience. Here's KD's take. We look at Ben as our brother, you know, so we knew that this was a hostile brother. environment, and we knew that he didn't have an opportunity to play, so we wanted to come out there and had him focus on the court more so than just always focusing on him. So they focused on the court tonight, and it's hard for you to – Chan at Ben Simmons when you lose him by that much. He's got a point, right? No wonder Simmons hit up Twitter after the game to post that same image that Joel posted after Simmons was dealt. Ben was feeling pretty damn good about Ben after that win, even though Ben had nothing to do with that win. Again, this win is not a reflection of Ben Simmons, but I'll tell you what it is. It might be a statement about James Harden. Back to that dude again. Because when they needed it most... He vanished again. Check this stat line. 11 points, and he was a negative 30 plus minus for the night. Negative 30. 3 of 17 from the field, 0 for 10 from 2, and did I mention a negative 30? According to Tam Haberstroh, that's the first time in the Beard's career he has failed to make a two-point bucket in a game with at least 10 attempts. That's how bad of a night that was. Oh, and did I say, did I mention, minus 30 in one of the biggest regular season games of his entire career. I mean, that's some pretty reprehensible-ish right there. And I'd love to say that was just one bad night, but you can't say that. Because one, it's not just one bad night. And two, that's much worse than a bad night. Going 0 for 10 from two is not a bad night. It's one of the worst nights ever because we're talking about one of the greatest scorers ever. And everybody knew what that game represented. And this guy has that game? This dude has so many moves in his bag. He's like, I don't even know who to compare him to. I don't know, Garv? He's like number six. So many ways to score. A world-class humper. Except he couldn't do any of that last night. So instead of showing up to trash Simmons, Philly fan has to be walking out with all sorts of questions. Questions like, are we really that good? What happened to that Harden-Embiid connection that had people hilariously comparing it to Kobe and Shaq? (laughs) How did a 500 team just wreck us in our own house? Are we going to be able to get even one defensive stop when we have to have it, when it matters most in the postseason? And what happens if we do run into these same dudes again in the playoffs? Let's face it, Harden is not exactly a, hey y'all, get the hell on my back in the postseason sort of dude. In fact, right about now, he's the opposite of that. 
And we saw more of that last night. So let me ask you this, Philly fan. Based on what you saw last night, you tell me. Who do you think teams would rather try in the postseason? Joel and the beard or Katie and part-time Kyrie? I'm not saying New Jersey is a lot to win at all, especially with Kyrie as a part-timer. I am saying if Harden plays like that again, when it matters most, they're not going to win Jack. I could not have been any more disappointed in how that game went, given that the regular season never matters, and we finally had a game in the association that did. Again, I don't even care who won. I just wanted a night, a game. And they finally had a game that did matter. Unfortunately, nobody told that to Harden. Or if they did, he didn't give a damn. Oh, and Ben, you need to dial it the hell down and stay off your phone because you had absolutely nothing to do with that. That was all KD, Kyrie, Seth, et al. You had nothing to do with it. And one more thing for Harden. My man, did you think the fans were booing Simmons? Were they booing him? Or were they booing you? James... The Sixers would have been better off if you sat. Kobe and Shaq is hilarious. Yeah, we got the new Kobe and Shaq. Yeah, more like Smush and Chris Mim. At least last night. Somebody pick up the Beard's fat suit from the dry cleaners. He may need it sooner than we think if he's going to show up like that in games that matter. Hey, Rome, why are you so pissed? You don't have a dog in this fight? Right. But I'll tell you what I did want. I wanted an NBA regular season game to matter. And this one has been circled since that deal went down. And it was over 30 seconds in practically. Listen, the very best athletes know that your championship body is not built in a day. The same is true when it comes to your long-term financial goals. Get financially fit with M1, the finance super app. It's commission-free, and it makes growing your money easier so you can strategize for the end game. Build a custom portfolio or choose a pre-built portfolio that speaks to your goals. Then, automate your everyday money moves and use your extra time to watch the highlights. They even make it easy to stick to your investing strategy by automatically rebalancing your investments every time you buy into your portfolio. That keeps your investments close to where you want them. That way your portfolio sticks to the plan for the long game. There are no huddle-ups needed. Visit m1finance.com sports. That's M with the number one. Sign up and see why Money, Investopedia, and Yahoo Finance are proud superfans of M1. That's M, the number one, dot com slash sports. Investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. M1 Finance, LLC, member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Great to have you back. How are you? I'm good. What's going on, bro? Good to talk to you, dude, always. So, between the Combine and all the trades, Bucky, there's been a ton of stuff going on. But let's start with the Camille Mack trade. You referenced this on Twitter yesterday, Khalil, I should say. How much does the Chargers' approach with the Mack trade remind you of what the Rams have done with how they went about putting together their roster? Look, man, I I, I don't think it's just the Chargers. I think the league has kind of uh, been awakened to the fact that you can be aggressive and build a team and have instant results. And it's not just the Rams. It's what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did before, aggressively getting Tom Brady and bringing his friends to form a team that went to the Super Bowl in that same year. Team builders are beginning to look and see that, hey, as much as we love the draft and develop philosophy, 
maybe we can skip a few steps if we have the right core in place, but we go aggressively and add uh, star players, be it free agency, be it trade, whatever we need to do to upgrade the personnel, I think more team builders are willing to do it. And we're seeing it in this flurry of activity that's already taking place this offseason. I think it's a great point that you make. And obviously, draft picks are not regarded as untouchable as they were in the past. So, Bucky, what about Mac? If he is healthy, and that is an if, but if he is healthy, how do you like the way he fits in with that defense and in that division? I really love it. I love it for the fact that Brandon Saley has proven that he can take a defense uh, loaded with premier talent at key positions and get them to play at an elite level. What the Chargers were missing last year was another dominant play on the front line to go opposite of Joey Bosa because the league is trending where you have to have at least two dominant players on the front line to be able to do it, and they need to be able to be pass rushers. So in a perfect world, you either like to have two edge guys or an edge guy and an interior guy that can create pressure. But in Khalil Mack, you're getting a bonus because he not only can create pressure off the edge, he's a rock-solid run defender. And anyone who watched the Chargers play last year they understand that that was a sore spot. That was a weakness for them. They couldn't get off the field because they couldn't stop the run. It didn't allow them to put teams in long yard situations so they could hunt. Well, now you bring Khalil Mack to show up to edges, who also gives you the ability to rush the passer. You now have a better chance of taking on a loaded division in Kansas City, Denver, and then the Las Vegas Raiders. Such good stuff. My guest is Bucky Brooks. All right, Bucky, so I'm guessing – Based on what you just said and the fact that the Chargers would be making that Cleo Mack trade, regardless of what the Broncos did at quarterback, I would argue that, but it does take on added significance with Russell Wilson in Denver. How do you like the fit of Wilson and the Broncos? You know, like, so obviously, look, he's an accomplished player. He's a guy who has a Super Bowl on his resume and was a yard away from having two. The thing that I worry about is um, – we've kind of given Russell Wilson kind of like the Tom Brady pass where he's going to come and elevate the Broncos. And, yes, he's certainly an upgrade over what they were playing with at the quarterback position. But I would argue I'm not all the way convinced that this is a much better situation than what he left in Seattle in terms of, yes, there's some potential on the outside. Corlin Sutton is a good receiver. Jerry Judy was a top pick. K.J. Hamler is the guy coming off an injury who should be there. Tim Patrick is there. But I don't know if that wide receiver core is better than what you had in uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf because those guys were also accomplished playing with Russell. Then defensively, we've talked about this defense being an outstanding defense, and they were. But Vic Fangio was in charge of that defense, an experienced guy who understood how to push the controls and get this defense playing at a high level. He's not there anymore. So just because the pieces are there, I don't know if it's an upgrade. And then the final part is the offensive line. The Broncos' offensive line is moving to a new situation and they haven't been stellar so I just don't see this as a hey, drop Russell in the Broncos are a Super Bowl team and they're going to lord over a division that is already pretty competitive I think this is all fair and especially the point that you make about that defense yes it's been a very very good defense but Fangio is no longer there so Bucky what about Seattle what do you make of what they got in return for Wilson well I mean I think they got a lot in return right they got a lot of draft capital and picks and, and those things I think uh, the shoe could drop in the next few days, right? Because I think everyone is paying close attention to what happens with Deshaun Watson's legal situation. Because maybe, perhaps, the Seattle Seahawks have an eye towards bringing Deshaun Watson to the Pacific Northwest, and they wanted that ammunition to make that happen. Now, let's say that doesn't happen. Then what Pete Carroll wants to do is 
Look, he's 71 years old. He wants to rebuild this team in the image that led this team to promise. Because remember, as much as we love Russell Wilson, as much as we've talked about him being the magical playmaker, the Seattle Seahawks won when Russell Wilson was the quarterback, but he operated like a game manager. They ran the football with Marshawn Lynch. They played great defense with the LOB, and that is how they were able to dominate for a four- or five-year period. When they handed it to Russell Wilson, that's when they came back to the pack. I think Pete wants to get back to playing the way that he knows works for him. And so I would expect them to find enough ways to utilize those picks to fortify the defense and make sure they can run the football. And when that quarterback shows up, they'll be ready to win again and win again at a high level. Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And clones, if you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? Bucky Brooks is on it. Bucky, what about the Colts? They give up on Carson Wentz earlier this week. He's now on his third team in three years. And two teams, it seems to me, that really wanted it to work with him, got rid of him. So how many questions and red flags does that raise about Wentz as a player and as a leader? I think it raised significant red flags. And I think the red flags are really more so about the leadership ability and the stuff that we might not necessarily see, the things that happen in the locker room. Because he leaves a situation where he had two of his strongest advocates, meaning in Philadelphia, everyone was invested in him being successful, and it didn't work out. He then goes to Indianapolis where you have a coach who basically signed off on him coming over, like advocated for him to come over and felt like he could fix him. And by the middle of the season, like it was obvious that it wasn't working out internally. So for Carson Wentz, in the next few weeks or months, he has to figure out how can I be a better teammate, a better leader, how can I connect better with my team and my coaches to enable me to play at a high level. Because, look, how he performed was good enough for this team to get into the postseason, but obviously there's something missing that led the Indianapolis Colts to move on from him. This typically doesn't happen when you see a guy with the numbers that he had on the field. We're talking to Bucky Brooks for a few more moments. Bucky, what about Green Bay? Now, Aaron Rodgers comes back. Obviously, that's really, really good news. But you've made the point that the way the Packers play is not conducive to winning in January. Can you lay that out for me? What do you mean by that? So the way that they play and the way that they played over the last 34, 35 years, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, haven't been there during the Brett Favre era as, as magic as he was. <clears throat> The Packers made a decision to be kind of a pass-first team. It was all about playing through the quarterback. And that is great during the regular season. That is great maybe in parts of the postseason. But when you really think about playoff football, particularly in Green Bay when it's cold, I don't know if that's the best way to play. <clears throat> Before our time, you got to think about Vince Lombardi and the way the Packers were winning, physical defense, running the football, doing those things. That's how they did it. They're known for the Packers sweep up there. And so I wonder – because so much of it is Aaron Rodgers running the controlling the show and doing it, I wonder in the title games, they're not balanced enough. In the last three postseason losses that the Packers have had, they've had fewer than 67 yards, and they've had fewer than 16 running back rushing attempts. That's not enough to get it done. When you think about cold weather, controlling the ball, and those things, 
you have to be able to run the football. So maybe in the postseason, less of Aaron, more of the other guys, and you get a better result. Um, it sounds crazy because you have a four-time MVP, but when you think about the way the teams win, there has to be enough balance so you can control the game and impose your will from a physical standpoint. I agree with you. In fact, I'm an old enough guy that I, I know. You know, when you talk about that power sweep, that Packers sweep, Jim Taylor, guys getting out and pulling for him, I mean, I can see it. I just have an image of that. And by the way, they do have Aaron Jones. They do have A.J. Dillon. I think that if they commit to it, very clearly they can run with these guys. Bucky, what about Jordan Love? Do you think they'll try to move him, or will they just not get enough in return to make it worth their while? What do they do with him? I actually think he needs to stay around. And, and, and Rome, I, I think he needs to stay around for, for two reasons. One, how long do we know that Aaron Rodgers is going to play? Like, we've had this kind of like drama and debate about whether he's going to play, whether he wants to be moved, whatever. But remember, he's 38 years old. What if the Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl this year? Does he retire? If you trade Jordan Love away, you don't have a secession plan. Secondly, there's no real rush to move on from him. Maybe this is Jimmy Garoppolo reincarnated. Because remember, Jimmy Garoppolo was brought into England. He was expected to um, be a guy that would eventually replace Tom Brady. Tom Brady continued to play. Um, and so they didn't make that, that move. They eventually traded him. So I think it's the same thing with Jordan Love. Continue to develop him. Continue to see what you're able to do with him. Let him get all the reps in preseason. And then you make a move and a determination. Can I get trade value for him? If not, maybe he's a guy that's my eventual starter. But I don't think it's a rush to get rid of him. All right, so so much amazing information in this. One last thought, Bucky, because you played in the NFL. You worked in the league as a scout. So I'm really curious about this. You were at the Combine. And it feels like one word to sum up this combine is speed, right? Like, what's going through your mind when you see one 300-pounder after another all going sub-five in the 40? Uh, the evolution of the game. Uh, I think we're seeing it. Like, I mean, you just look around. Just go to your local high school and watch how these guys are playing. Uh, they're training at earlier ages. They're doing things year-round that up the athleticism. Uh, football is big. Football is king. Like, we see it. We see how many people are waiting. And because you have a – um, an appetite for all these kids that want to be great football players, they're doing things differently. So we're seeing a different kind of athlete that shows up on the main stage. And then at the combine, one of the things that has also changed is rather than that slow turf that used to kind of slow everybody down, the Indianapolis Colts changed the turf in 2020. It's a faster surface. This was our first time seeing guys on this surface, and so it looked like a track meet. So there are a lot of factors that led into it. But I think we're getting a bigger, faster athlete that is playing the game. And I think that is better for us because we're seeing the game at its best. This is the best football has ever been. And to your point, they're playing, or at least at the combine, on a faster track. That's really interesting. He's an NFL Network analyst. He did spend 12 years in the NFL as a player and a scout. He is the founder of Big Play Football. He is the head coach at Granada Hills Charter High School. You want to check out a brilliant podcast, the Move the Sticks podcast, along with DJ. And you can follow Bucky, Bro Bucky Brooks at Bucky Brooks. Bucky, I'm just spitting it out really fast because there's a lot to get out there. Listen, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Great to have you back. Hey, man, thanks so much for having me on. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Now, does this sound familiar to you? You've got one device that allows you to catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for all the good stuff. Does that sound familiar? If so, let me tell you about a very simple way to get all the entertainment that you love, but without all that hassle. It's called DirecTV Stream. 
It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. It also means no juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the very best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of all the clutter and all the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. Martin Inglesby is my guest. Martin, it's good to have you on. How are you? I'm doing well, Jim. It's an honor to be on with you guys uh, talking hoops. It's great to talk to you. I appreciate you doing it. So why don't we start first with a win over UNC Wilmington, 59-55 Sunday. Really tight game, Martin. You took the lead with just over a minute to go. You got some stops. You had some free throws. What was the final minute of that game like for you personally? You know, very emotional, tense. Uh, I try to stay as poised as I can for our team. Um, but it was a rock fight. I mean, two teams that were really good defensively going back and forth. And we just made a couple more plays down the stretch to be able to, uh, you know, get us over the top. We had a big bucket. We got a couple stops down the stretch and made some timely free throws to, to get us a victory. So very emotional night. Uh, we got an older group and just really happy for them to be able to deliver on a big stage like that. You have all that, and of course you have Jair Davis, who was huge in the win. He has been the second half of the season, in fact. He was the conference rookie of the year, so what he is, what has he meant to the program since he did arrive? Well, I mean, one, he's one of the hardest working kids on our team. I mean, he transferred to us from Providence. He didn't play last year. He was up there with Ed Cooley and then came back home. He's an in-state kid, went to the Sanford School, and he was dealing with some injuries in the early part of the season, got himself healthy, and then just keep, kept coming, kept coming along. Uh, our big kid got hurt, uh, Dylan Painter, middle part of the year, and he just took advantage of the opportunity and just has continued to soar. Uh, I think he had 13 games in a row where he scored in double figures. His first game um, at JMU, he had 22 points, seven rebounds, six assists. And he's a six-seven kind of versatile forward who's able to really make his impact around the basket. He can make his free throws. Just a very difficult matchup uh, for teams in our league. So, you know, when he started hitting his stride, we became a really good basketball team. We are talking Delaware basketball head coach. Martin Inglesby is my guest. So if we were to go back, you lost your final three games of the regular season. And as you said, you were pretty beaten down as a team. The story mm -hmm. goes that you texted your wife on the bus ride home from the third <laughs> loss and told her to get yep. the wine ready so you could drink your <laughs> sorrows away. How did she respond to that? He uh, hit me back right away. This is a 100% true story. Some people don't believe it, think I'm fudging. Uh, and I said, oh, let's open a bottle of wine, drink our sorrows away. And she texted me back. She said, nope, you're going to come home and you're going to figure this shit out. Uh, and <laughs> my man. Incredible. That's, uh, you know, I got my staff together the next day at our house around 930. We came over. We spent the whole day together, kind of regroup and refocus. It was a new season. But we needed to change some things. So we brought our guys back in at 7 in the morning, had a really tough, physical, intense workout for about 45 minutes, and then kind of got back to game planning to be able to play in the conference tournament. And I think that set the tone for our week. Again, it was a tough, physical, emotional days, and we needed to regroup, but uh, got our guys on the on the right track. And I don't think, you know, going through that tough stretch with that adversity, we couldn't have won the championship not having to navigate through some kind of rocky waters. 
That is an amazing story, Martin. Like, for instance, I've known a lot of coaches and a lot of coaches personally, and I know what a wife represents to a coach. That is not an easy gig at all for a wife to be a wife of a coach and a mom of all the kids. Like, what's her background? What What is she like that she said, you know, you can get your ass home and get back to work. We're going to fix this thing. I love that. Yeah, I mean, she is my biggest fan and probably my harshest critic as well. So she set me straight. I needed to hear it. We both went to Notre Dame together. She comes from a sports family. So she's been around uh, the game of basketball uh, for a long time. We dated in college when I played at Notre Dame. I was on the staff with Mike Bray for 13 years. So I think each year um, she, you know, took in a lot and saw a lot from range of emotions from some great times to some tough times. But I needed to hear that, kind of redirected my attention back to my team and, and trying to figure out how we could get better. And we had expectations going into this year of being a regular season favorite, preseason favorite. And I felt like at times we, we coached and played with the weight of the world on our shoulders. Uh, we had some injuries, but we were able to figure it out and obviously get back on track. And I think her message and quick text right back to me kind of kicked it off and uh, she knocked me on my head, and, and I was able to regroup. Instead of coming home and having a bottle of wine, I got back to watching some film, thinking about our team and putting a plan in place to get us back on track. It's such a good story. You know, you were mentioning, Martin Inglesby is my guest, that you kind of, the guys, either the staff or the players or everybody, was approaching it like they had the weight of the world on their shoulders. You mentioned your time in Notre Dame. You played at Notre Dame, then you coached there under Mike Bray. Bray is famously the loosest coach in America. <laughs> what And what a great guy. But what was it like to work with him? You know, he, again, I'm not in this position today without, um, you know, my time with Mike. I was there with him 13 years as ops guy, as an assistant coach. And, um, you know, he's my mentor, somebody that uh, gave me an opportunity, somebody that really believed in me as a basketball player and as a coach. And I can't tell you how many times I uh, will pick up the phone or call him or text him and be like, hey, how would Mike handle this situation? And it's funny you say the loosest coach in America because I had to balance getting on my guys but then also getting us back to having fun playing basketball because we were, we were a really beaten down group. So uh, I kept thinking back, like, hey, I'm going to be on them, but I got to get them back smiling and having fun and seeing the ball go in the hoop and just having fun being on the court together. So I kind of pulled a little bit from my time with, with Coach Bray, and we played a lot of five-on-five. Five. You know, we didn't get back to our regular practice routine of doing drill after drill after drill. It's like, hey, we're going to get up and down. We're going to mix up the jerseys. I want guys to, like, have some success and have some fun playing again. And, you know, I think that was the best approach for our team. And it's kind of what we did with, with the days of Mike. I mean, those guys love playing for him. They love coming to work every day. They'd run through a brick wall for him. And, you know, me just developing relationships and getting that rapport like he had with his players, that's kind of what I've tried to build here in our culture. I like that. I like that a lot. And everybody talks about culture, and that gives you a good sense of what your culture is and what you're trying to build. If we were to go back even further, I talked to Jay Wright recently. In fact, Martin, I talked to him all the time about <laughs> Philadelphia basketball. And your father, yeah. Tom, played at Cardinal yep. O'Hara and then went on to Villanova and the NBA. You played at Archbishop Carroll. For those who don't know, how would you describe high school basketball in the Philadelphia area and what it takes to succeed at that level? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my dad was a great player. I grew up going to public school, and all he talked about was the Philadelphia Catholic League and the brand of basketball, the style of play, the tradition, the fraternity of the sport in the city and how much it means to the people of Philadelphia. It was a blue-collar toughness to playing in the Catholic League. 
And uh, I was fortunate to play at Archbishop Carroll. My dad was my high school coach. Um, he coached there for six years. And it's just a, it's like a way of life. Um, you know, so many people support it. They love it. The battles back and forth. When you step between the lines, you're going to war, but then you respect your opponent and have great sportsmanship. And it's an unbelievable basketball fraternity in Philadelphia, and they look out for each other. Um, they're ultimate competitors. They're tough. They're physical when you play, but then they, you know, have great respect for each other outside of the game. So um, I was so fortunate to be able to experience it as a high school kid. I heard so much about it growing up, having my dad a Cardinal Hara guy playing at Villanova. He's in the Hall of Fame there. They went to the NCAA tournament, lost in the national championship in '71. You know, so I grew up around the game, grew up around Villanova basketball and you know, the history and the tradition that they've been able to establish there. And then obviously what Jay's been able to do over the last 15 so years, making that, you know, one of the premier programs in the country. And and that takes on his personality. You know, his teams reflect who he is as a leader and as a competitor. And, you know, that's, I'm trying to, trying to nurture that and develop that here at Delaware. All right. So you got that culture, you have the journey. These were amazing stories and you've got a chance to have yet another or more because we're two days away from selection Sunday, obviously between now and then you've got a lot of work to do, but what do you think it's going to feel like when you see Delaware flash across the screen and show up in the bracket? It's going to be surreal, to be honest. I mean, when we took over this program six years ago, we were not in a good place, a little bit of a laughing stock of college basketball and just the the, the, the hard work and, you know, reaping the benefits of, of all the hard work, myself and our coaching staff and our you know, support staff and our administration, the alignment that we have top to bottom, you know, it's just going to be, you know, I'm sure I'm going to have smile ear to ear and just really be proud to be able to see the University of Delaware, our birdhead, our logo pop up. And the great thing for us, too, is, you know, we won on Tuesday. So we had a nice couple of days to really be able to ride this wave and enjoy this uh, until Sunday. I saw some of our guys today. They were a little tired. I'm not sure they're getting much sleep. They're like rock stars on this campus right now. Um, but I think it'll be really powerful to see our name up there on Sunday evening. And I told our guys that I was fortunate to play in the NCAA tournament at Notre Dame as a player and then as an assistant coach, you know, 10-plus times at, at Notre Dame. I wanted nothing more for our players to be able to experience this, to be able to enjoy it. I felt like it's, it's always like Christmas morning for a college basketball player as you wake up, the nerves, the jitterness. Like, we know we're in, which is a great position to be in. Now it's like, all right, who are we going to play? Where are they going to send us? And people keep asking me, what do you think? I'm like, hey, wherever they send us, we're going to be happy. They can ship us out to California. They can ship us wherever. We're going to we're just going to be able to enjoy this ride and celebrate it as best we can. I'd love to have you out here in California. Listen, I was going to let you go, but one quick follow because you mentioned what it was like to go to Delaware. You spent virtually your entire basketball life with Notre Dame as a player Mm -hmm. and as a coach. You had an amazing thing going there, and you also mentioned that when you first took over this opportunity, that the program was frankly kind of a laughing stock. So given that you had such an amazing thing going, why did you want to take this on? I mean, I was ready to be a head coach. Um, you know, Mike did such an unbelievable job, you know, kind of nurturing my development as a coach and a leader and a communicator. And, you know, we had a great run at Notre Dame. We had gone to back-to-back Elite Eights. We won the ACC championship. I just thought it was my time. And I always – I'm an East Coast guy. I grew up right by Villanova's campus. And Mike had talked so glowingly about the University of Delaware. And, hey, hey if that job ever opened, I think it would be a great fit for you. So I just thought the time was right. And, you know, I felt that I can come here and kind of and get ingrained in this community with my family, close enough to my family, and just slowly build a basketball program. Again, we couldn't go any uh, further down. So just gradually building into, uh, 
you know, a really strong program. We got an identity about who we are, how we do things. So just really proud of that trajectory. And then, um, you know, you've been, and we've been able to attract some really, really good players. Um, you know, we got Jameer Nelson's son on our team. Um, I, I'm, I feel really old having co- being able to coach his son uh, right now. He's one of our best players, and it was great to see those two embrace after we won it on Tuesday night to celebrate the championship. Should not have brought that up. No, I have to ask you about that, too. Jameer Nelson Jr. <laughs> had 10 points and six rebounds in that game. His father, Martin, has always been one of my favorite guys to talk to over the years. I love his dad, and that was a great moment, the one you referenced. What was that like for you to see the two of them hugging and crying after that, and what is it like to coach him? Yeah, I mean, it was very emotional. The crazy thing is that he didn't tell his son that he was coming down to the game because mm-hmm. I asked Jameer at pregame meal, I said, hey, his dad and mom come down. He's like, no, I don't think they can make it because you know, his dad works for the Sixers and they got him you know, doing all kinds of things uh, within their organization. And then to see them embrace and the emotion right there, the pure emotion uh, out of them and his family. And then, you know, he's the – He's the ultimate competitor, Jameer Jr. Like, he's super talented. He's an unbelievable athlete, and he's becoming a better basketball player. And when we recruited him out of uh, high school, we didn't get him on the front end, but he transferred to us from GW. Um, I just thought as much as we needed him, he needed us with how we coach and how we play and the confidence we give our guards. And um, it's just fun to be seeing him have fun playing basketball again. So good to talk some Delaware basketball, too. You nailed that. Martin Inglesby is the head coach. They are in. They're dancing for the first time since 2014. CAA champs, 22-12 and 12 overall. Martin, I'll be really anxious to see where you end up. But to your point, it doesn't matter. You're just going to let it rip. Great to have you on the show. Really well done, and thanks for taking so much time. No, thanks, Jim. I appreciate you having me on. And now a message from Discover about customer service and common sense. When you have credit card questions, it is nice to have them answered by a real person. You know, somebody who can actually understand your issues and work to resolve them. In other words, what you don't need is a robot. And that's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. No wonder we call it live customer service. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Head, what's cracking? How you living? What's going on? I feel like I'm the one who ate uh, straight-up G's poo, Jim. I'm living a little rough today. It's my flu game, MJ flu game here. So let's do this. I'll tell you what, dude. You do sound banged up. I'll give you that. But (laughs) just know when I ask you how you're feeling, I really don't give a damn. And neither does anybody else. They just want to make some money. Are you ready to do that? I'm ready to do that, Jim. All right. So let me... uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get yourself together because I want to make this one point. I know I'm on record as saying I never root for anyone or anything other than something to talk about. I do not have a favorite team other than team content. That's my favorite team. Of course, I've got a few exceptions. I root for my kids. I root for my horses. I root for my alma mater, UC Santa Barbara. Other than that, I do not root. I don't give a damn who wins. Why do I say that? Because it applies to gambling too. When I get down head, when I bet, I try to treat it as a business exclusively and only bet with my head and not my heart, but I've got to own this. Sometimes I bet with my heart regardless of the matchup. Take my guy Eric Musselman, head coach at Arkansas. Muss is the closest thing, head, to that family, that horse, that alma mater thing that I just talked about because he and I are such good friends. We go so far back. Business is business, but it's a personal relationship where I will never, here's the point, I will never ever, 
ever bet against Eric Musselman because I think that highly of him and he's such a good friend. It'd be like me betting somebody else's horse in a race that we're entered in. I can't do that. I won't do that. All right, I gave you some time to get your sea legs. Head, I hit Muss yesterday in their matchup with LSU in a couple hours. What is the line right now, and how are you playing Arkansas v. LSU? Okay, well, the line started at Arkansas minus one, Jim. It's moved to three now, and because of that, i got to go against you here and take LSU in the three points. I think Muss might win this. <laughs> but three points is just too, too much for me. These teams are neck and neck. Ken Palm has LSU as their 18th best team in the country, and the Razorbacks has their 19th best team in the country. Will Wade has actually flipped his team on its head this year. Last season, they were one of the best offensive teams. I know, right? I wonder. (laughs) But now they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. I'm going to take the Tigers. I'll take Tari Eason and LSU plus three points here. All right, so you're going to take the points in LSU. Really quickly, head that the lines. How crazy is the movement on these lines, even in the conference tournaments? Crazy because they play, you know, within one day of each other. So late last night, early this morning, and then even right up till right now, they're moving all over the place. All right, so one game in, you and I are already on the opposite side of each other. I'm going to go with Muss and Arkansas. I got them yesterday at two. All right, so I know that you'll be loaded for the actual tourney itself, but since some of the conference tournament stuff is going on, it's a little funky, but action is action. Mm -hmm. Let's look at a few more games. Starting in the MAC, of course, CBS Sports Network has some MAC action. You've got the number four, Akron, going up against the number one, Toledo. Actually, I think that's a really interesting game. What's the line? Who you got? Line is Toledo minus five and a half. The Rockets are my team this year. They get buckets. They are the eighth best team in the country in scoring. They've beaten their opponents by an average of 11 points per game, Jim. And they, they are the second best team against the spread in all of college basketball, hitting 71% of their games this season. Let's go with the Rockets, Ryan Rollins, and minus five and a half over the Zips. Oh, wow. How about that? Are you getting this, clones? We are picking games. We're giving you picks for free. Good picks. All right, Head, we got to hit some ACC action, right? How about North Carolina v. Virginia Tech? I know you can get Tech with points. Question, do you want them points, or does Carolina just have too much for the Hokies? Yeah, I'm going to lay the, uh, the two points here and take Tar Heels gym. They're, it's a dangerous game. Virginia Tech is on the bubble, and they need to win this, but Carolina is hot. Obviously, they gave Duke the hands last Saturday, but they followed that with a 20-point ass kicking of Virginia yesterday. They've won nine of their last 10 games. They are protecting the ball, and they have averaged over 42 boards a game their past three games. Let's lay the two and go Hubert Davis and the Tar Heels right here. I'm with you. I'm going to play that one the same way. If you can get two, I'd lay the points too. All right, so we got to hit the SEC. Let's talk Big Blue Nation, something we have not done in a long time here. In fact, to not do so to me, Head, would be the proverbial poop in your ice cream, my man. That's you, Alvin. Hey, Alvin, you know what you are? You're the poop in my ice cream, man. Come on, Alvin. Is, is Rid on the board? <laughs> I'll tell you who's John not, Cal man. Perry is my guest. John, nice to have you N- back. Never How mind, Alvin. I don't was want it now. Poop in the yeah, ice get cream, it. or was that just straight diarrhea? Say, what were we talking it, about? Did he say straight, straight diarrhea? diarrhea? Wow. <laughs> All right, so I forgive you for taking so long if you found the straight diarrhea blast. 
So the cats, the cats have been rolling of late head, but if you like Vandy, and honestly, I, there are things about Vandy I really like. If you like them, you can get some value, serious value. What is the latest line, Kentucky v. Vandy? How are you playing it? Yeah, I think Stack's going to blow it out in Cal's ice cream here, plus 11 points. Dude, you did not just say that. You just Sorry. said Stack is going to blow it out in Cal's ice cream. I didn't say diarrhea, just blowing it out there. All plus right, 11 ahead. points you can get right now. For Vandy, so I'm going to take them. No Tippin' Pippins kid is legit, dude. He rallied them back from 15-point deficit in the second half yesterday to beat Bama. After a win also, they've hit on 75% of their games against the spread this season. The question is going to be the glass, where Vandy ranks 212th in the country in rebounding, and Kentucky, of course, has the best rebounder college basketball has seen in a minute in Oscar Shibway. but let's take Stack. And the 11 against Cal. You know what? I love Cal. I love the BBN. But I also love Stack. And if you can get 11 and Stack, you have to take a look at that. All right. So how about some Big 12 action? Head. Much to the delight of Texas Tech fan, my guy Chris Beard got knocked out by TCU. Tech fan loved it. Maybe even more than the fact that their team is still playing and they get Oklahoma next. Been a wild, wild ride for the Sooners this yep. season. They started the year well. They went into the tank for weeks. They looked dead in the water, but they've bounced back in a huge way. They beat Baylor. They advance. What's the line here? How are you playing it? So I love Texas Tech and Mark Adams, but I'm all about Porter Mosier and Oklahoma, Jim. The Sooners are in that Virginia Tech spot bubble. That win over Baylor they, uh, yesterday could seal their fate and get them in, but this absolutely would get them in. You can find eight points in the Sooners, so plus eight with the Sooners right now. They were left for dead, like you said, a while back when they lost uh, Harkless for the season, but Mosier does what he always does. He coaches them up, and he's getting some punch from that bench. I'm going to go with Mosier, the Sooners, and take the eight points. I, you know, it seems like it would be better for the show if I did not agree with all of your stuff, but today I do, except for that pick off the top. I, I agree with you. If you can get Porter Mosier in that kind of quality and that kind of – Pointage, you got to take a look at that. And, love and that's, I know, I do too. Absolutely love the guys' coach. And I like tech. I like tech a lot this year. Too. However, yeah. I'm going to take those points. All right. So yeah. we'll get into it next week. We may even double up with you next week. But since the NCAA tournament has not begun, we don't even know the brackets yet, but the futures are out there. Mm-hmm. I know you, dude. You'll hedge with a couple of safe picks and then you'll take bigger swings on some others that you feel strongly about. Why don't we jump into this right now? Are there any NCAA tournament futures that you like yeah that's exactly how i'm going to play it too jim it's worked for the nfl it's worked on the last couple sports we've done it does piss some people off when i hedge but the hedge is gonzaga they're the best offensive team in the country with drew timmy and chet holgren they will be the number one overall seed but with their odds being at plus 350 i could take two chances here and make some money i'll take six choice duke at plus 1200 Coach K has the most all-around talent in the country. They beat the Zags, and they beat Kentucky earlier this season. The worry is Few and Cal have done a better job than K this year, but at plus 1,200, I like that. The other shot, I'm actually going to take Purdue here at plus Mm. 1,400. Jaden Ivey is incredible. They can score from anywhere, all over. The worry is their defense, and they are uh, susceptible to an early upset if they don't um, play defense. But at plus 1,400, I like that. So those are my three teams right I there. don't – listen, 
I mean, you're entitled to your opinion, but I don't buy that whole argument that that's punk, that's weak, that's chalk. First of all, nothing is guaranteed in that tournament. And second of all, why not? Why not take a safe bet and then take a flyer on a few more things? As long as you're making money, that's all that matters. So Absolutely. I, personally, I don't buy that. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you really quickly before you run down everything you did. Let's talk NFL. Now, I'm not sure that you're ready to get down legitimately on future bets yet in the NFL, but I do want to talk about a couple of news items quickly. The Broncos took that enormous swing when they made that deal for Russell Wilson, and given how huge a Broncos honk you are, I know you're feeling it, but if there's one thing about you that I do know that you worship even more than your beloved Broncos, it's the legend that is Carson Wentz. You want to talk about a big swing and a balance of power-changing move. It's the commanders bringing in Carson Wentz. Right head? Am I right head? Is that not the best thing ever? Question is, how significant an effect is that going to have on the commanders in the futures play? And how much of your small, big head fortune are you dropping on him? That's funny as hell. Their odds have changed. Not at all, actually. They are um, plus 5,000 before the trade, and they are plus 5,000 now. Imagine giving up those picks and taking his salary and doing nothing for your team. I can't imagine Washington fans too happy right now, Jim. So you're going to hit that pretty hard, right? Oh, I'm going to just lay a lot of money on that. I love that. They were plus 5,000 before the deal, and then they take the biggest swing imaginable, and they are still plus 5,000. Absolutely. Really quickly, what about the Chargers? They're bringing Khalil Mack. I think it's a really interesting move. I like it, especially given the fact that they got him for a lot less than what Chicago gave up to get him back in 2018. Yeah, I know that was then. This is now. He's coming off an injury, but the AFC West is a freak show, and if this guy is right, he can still wreck shop, especially on the other side of Joey Bosa. Who do you think got the better of that trade, and how do you feel about the Bolts in the league's best division? Uh, Chargers. Love the Chargers. No brainer for them to give up a second and a sixth, considering Von Miller just went for a second and a third, and they're about the same age there. They can also absorb that salary because of Herbert. They still have over $20 million in uh, cap space, Jim. They can improve the middle of that D, add a corner and a right tackle, and they are in this thing. Their futures right now is plus 2500 That is incredible value. Oh, I like that. And, I didn't oh, know that. I love that. It, it's great. It's awesome. Some of them are moving them up a little bit after this uh, like trade here, but you can get plenty plus 2500 and I actually might hit that right now. I think so. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And if I were to hit that type of thing, I would absolutely hit that. All right, so backtrack for me. If they're joining us late, what is everything that we just talked about? I know you put it up on Twitter, Head, but run it back for me one more time. Who you got this weekend? And tonight, All right, today's today. action in the conference tournaments, we got LSU plus three, Toledo minus five and a half, the Tar Heels minus two, Porter Mosier and Oklahoma plus eight. Stack Vandy plus 11. For the futures, we got Zags. To, now, this is the futures to win the NCAA tournament. Zags plus 350. Duke plus 1,200. And Purdue plus 1,400. And if you want to do a future NFL today, have some fun. Chargers plus 2,500. Nice job, Head. Way to work your one day and way to work through that horrific sinus infection well done put it up on twitter i will retweet it have yourself a day head nice job thanks jim vic in nocal broadway vic what's up vic what's up Rome? it's friday hey yes. so uh i heard you mentioned the other day uh sean casey you know you said you were pretty bummed that he didn't make it into little alvey's ionic year in review I get that. You know, I, I was actually pretty bummed not to hear something else in the year in review. Uh, it was probably my favorite story of the last year, and it didn't make it in. And I'm talking, of course, 
about the story of that guy who had a porno collection worth $30,000. I mean, that was just so mind-blowing to me, you know. How the hell does someone have a porno collection worth thirty grand in this day and age when porno is basically free everywhere? I mean, what kind of treasure trove was this guy sitting on? What kind of holy grail of porn? I mean, what, did he have like a like a, an original, unreleased, mint condition bootleg copy of like Jennifer Capriati v. Dale DeBone? Romy Rome, since the days when Jennifer Capriati was rolling with Dale DeBone, Romy since the days when Petter the Eurocorda was busting out ridiculous scissor kicks after every tennis match. Romy, since the days when the official archiver of the jungle was andrewmorehill.net. Romy, since the days when you were getting shout-outs in the National Comic Strip Drabble. Your boy Mud in L.A.'s had your back, pimp. But that's not why I called. No, man, I'm... I'm calling to talk a little NCAA tournament really quick here. You know, I noticed that Rick Pitino's team, Iona University, did not make the field this year because they got upset in their conference tournament. You know, it's funny, Rome. Did you know Iona is actually the traditional rival school of our boy Ira Craig's alma mater? Yeah, it's true, man. Rick Pitino is at Iona. Ira Craig is a graduate of I Don't Ona. I Don't Own a Home. I don't own a car. I don't own a couch. You know, Brent Musburger follows the life philosophy of never retire. I Ray Craig is more like never work. And hey, I heard a, a Bella B tweet the other day, a, a tweet from Bella B where she says that that sound clip of John Elway thanking John Elway, you know, that old, uh, yeah, I'd like to start by thanking John Elway. Ugh. You know, that clip. Yeah, Bella says that it sounds like Elway is pulling his pants up. I mean, I wouldn't really know about that, but I'm just going to go ahead and take her word for it. I mean, I figure if there's someone out there who knows what the sound of a man putting his pants back on sounds like, it's probably Bella B. Now look here, Rome. I'm not trying to say that Bella B is a, is a wanton woman. I'm not going to sit here and try to say that Bella B is uniquely skilled at spreading her legs. That would be rude. I'll just put it like this, okay? When Bella B is at the gym and she gets on that hip abductor machine, she can lift the entire rack of weight. Uh, That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Pause, dog. What's up, Pooch? Uh, great to hear from Bavikwa. When I'm trying for the huge, huge, huge call. I send a limousine for that lame Because I bite his ass off every day of the week. He's a big mouth, I tell ya. Well, so happy to see that baseball is back. Paul likes to bring me to the diamond for bark in the park. But I'm not allowed to chase the white ball. <laughs> and it smells, oh, the smells, popcorn, peanuts.
Passing the Paul's dog. Roof, 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 roof. Mm. Jeff passing one. Paul's dog. Well, that's two for me. Rough me. Rum route. Paul's dog. Welcome to the jungle. What's going on? How is everybody living? Hope you had a great weekend. Nice to have you here. We talked about the fight at length on Friday. In fact, we talked about it all week long, and then it happened. If you thought Kobe Covington was annoying and insufferable or worse before Saturday night, you are in for a few really, really rough months. Drake, you suck at sports betting. Go back. I know Covington is not for everybody. In fact, he might not be for anybody. We all have to own the fact that this guy can fight. He's a bitch. The bitch could wrestle though. That's a big man move. Holy to me, that's mind blowing. This is exactly what went through my mind when I saw a guy that big moving that fast. Stop, because trains can't. You like that, Nitsa? I am joined in studio by Eric Stokes. What was your reaction when you saw Jordan Davis? Did not shock me at all. Like we thought Devontae was the fast one in the room, which he still is. Hands down crazy to it. Maybe trying to sneak up a road. I admire the hustle, but come on, Glenn. Jordan can run a 4-7 at the combine. And Glenn can eat four number seven supersized combos. He is Matt Norlander. And I'm going to tell you right now that Gonzaga, Arizona, Auburn, Baylor, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke. Obviously Duke is Duke. Certainly Duke and then is you've Duke. Got Wisconsin, which slipped a little bit. A day in the life of the XR4TI. There's chalk flying in. He's a vampire. Double chocolate. The bass flying by. They don't miss you, Kyrie. Nobody is looking for a text. Sometimes booing just means we hate you. Twitter. Maybe somebody on staff should hire a private eye to find these shaking NYC. LeBron complains when things don't go his way as much as a spoiled rich girl. Okay, so we've done all in here. Oats make Sarah smile. Packers and MVP QB Aaron Rodgers have agreed to terms on a four-year Denver. How's it feel to pass on all these quarterbacks while you were waiting for Aaron Rodgers? Hey, Jim Rome. We got a deal. Tell us how our ass tastes. Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley has been suspended. Take the L and your bill for 11 mil and keep moving because this is one of the dumbest moves of all time. Hope that was worth it, but I know it wasn't. Fail clown. Griff Aldrich. Jim, I don't know if we have time for a quick aside. Jim Rome show was a big thing at Hampton Sydney College. We were all excited. Hey, Division Three is going to get some love. And Jim Rome goes, yeah, they play basketball just like the D1 guys. Just not as good. <laughs> a clone dropping a Bison Daily Reset is essentially the jungle equivalent of an NFL player betting on NFL games. Next person who does it gets paid. For life. Westbrick to me now. Reaction to Westbrick? I mean, come on, man. That's nothing. Nosemar Garcia pop-up. Cannot believe how sensitive you are to Westbrick. Aaron is too damn chicken to lead the land. Global warming. Now you're done. Wow, Kathleen. I don't think I heard her that fired up since her doctor told her that she had acute angina. Anyway. Come on, Ed. Lucas Williamson is my guest. The assistant coach, Patrick Wallace. Come on, baby. Scrumptious. Like, who says scrumptious at <laughs> basketball practice? Like, how does that word even, like, come to your mind when you're thinking about playing basketball? How about them unwanted pregnancy? Allegedly. How about them paternity suits? Allegedly. How about them illegitimate kids becoming legitimate? 
adults and finding my ass. Allegedly. You should be vasectomy the mosquito. Jason Robertson, left wing for Dallas. My mom obviously is from the Filipino background, so my cousins and my grandma and my aunts and uncles, they had no idea, but once they got behind it, they climbed completely on board and they loved it. Mike Budenholzer, there are things in life that are really simple but hard to do. Be on time. By the way, dude, that, that, don't even get me started on that with my family. I don't understand that at all. Why is that so hard for some people? Head, how you living? What's going on? I feel like I'm the one who ate straight up G's poo, Jim. I'm living so rough today. It's my flu game, MJ flu game here. I really don't give a damn. Martin Inglesby is my guest. Some people don't believe it, think I'm fudging. She texted me, but she says, nope, you're going to come home and you're going to figure this shit out. When Jennifer Capriotti was rolling with Dale DeBone, Romy since the days when Petter the Eurocorda was busting out ridiculous scissor kicks after every tennis match. The threat is not dead! Where is it? I always have it by now. Make up, please. Ball guy. Scrumptious. Premature ejaculation that comes out of a ketchup bottle. You know what? If you do this, this, and this, it's gonna be okay. You can get where you need to go. Slip into our DNA. How about that DNA slippage? Yeah! American ah! Chewy? Will that thing up to the microphone? I want me some glory hope. I like Philadelphians. Sayonara, sucker. Remember my advice. Never retire, young man. Never retire. Good night now! Good night now!